I'm AJ Bianco from Podcast PD, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like this show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual host. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready, because the learning begins in three, two, one. Welcome to episode 60 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, your source for the latest Google for Education news, tips, tricks, and ideas you can use in class tomorrow. I'm Casey Bell from ShakeUp Learning. And I'm Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook. And in today's episode, we are talking all about Google Slides. And we're not just talking about doing oral reports in front of class with some pre-designed slides. We are talking about that cool stuff that you love to do or you love to hear about. Those those interesting, innovative uses of Google Slides. And we were looking back, I think it was episode 18, we talked about some of these and it's been a while. And we were thinking, hey, it's about time for another one of these episodes. So we've got lots of examples for you, right, Casey? Tons. We don't even have time to fit it all in, y'all. Right, right, exactly. You ready to get started? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. All right. So to kick off today's Google News and updates, a little more uh, stuff coming out from Google about their big 20th birthday. And to celebrate it, uh, Google put out this this really cool post called Tips from the People Behind Your Favorite Google Products. And so they said, hey, since we just turned 20, we thought we would kind of like talk to some of the Googlers and find out what some of their favorite tips and tricks are from all of the different Google tools. And so I'm searching through this and there's some some really, really cool uh, things out here. Like for instance, they talk about in maps, it says beat the crowds, use Google Maps to find estimated wait times and popular times to visit your favorite restaurants and businesses. I've seen this one and this is that's a that's a pretty useful one or don't get lost in the parking lot because you can set your parking location in maps. Uh, you've also got you know, for instance, in Gmail, you've got the mute feature, which pushes an entire conversation to your archive as well as any future conversations. So if you get like an exceptionally chatty email thread and you want to get rid of it, you can totally do that. Talks about giving gold stars in Google Drive, um, some things with Google Play and with Chrome as well. You know, they, they talk about, it says keeping tabs on your tabs. It says you can um, use control one, control two, control three to jump between tabs, which is a really cool one. So some really, really good tips here. And we, we do know that people do love a good Google tip, right? Oh, yeah. This is loaded with some great stuff. Now, a lot of these are things you probably know about. But, you know, I think uh, I, I was even just glancing at the the YouTube tips. And this is while watching a YouTube video, use the numbered keys to seek in a video. For example, hitting two will take you to 20%. Six will take you to 60%. Zero will restart. So I like that. I'm going to I'm gonna start using that one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, moving on to our updates. 
We finally have Smart Compose in Gmail for G Suite. So you've probably seen this in your personal Gmail account for a while. But now inside your G Suite for Education email, you can also use the Smart Compose feature. And so this is, of course, using some machine learning to try to predict the things that you will respond with inside your message. And I use this all the time. It is super handy. Um, So it will fill in common phrases, relevant addresses, things like your home address, your office address, things that you might type a lot. Uh, It'll also help you with greetings and responses. You know, hey, can you meet tomorrow at two o'clock? And you'll see a little smart response. That sounds great. Works for me. Those types of things. So you can also turn this off if you don't like it in your general settings. But Um, I think this is a really handy little addition to using Gmail inside of G Suite. Yeah, definitely. This is something that kind of snuck up on me by surprise. And I started, it kind of freaked me out at first, but the more I see it, the more I like it. So yeah, that's, this is definitely a handy feature. Speaking of handy, I just stumbled upon something little in calendar. And so if you're as big of a calendar user as I am, I mean, my, my whole life, it seems like is plugged into my Google calendar and I'm using the Android app for Google Calendar, and I noticed that it got a little bit of a facelift, including, and this is an example of how sometimes the little things are the things that make us excited. Um, there are all of these grid lines that keep, that, that kind of separate all the different dates. And this is a little change that I noticed that makes it so much easier to, to see kind of what's going on in Calendar. So it's always interesting to see how Google is constantly updating, even with little minor changes, um, all of these different updates that they make into into different tools. So this is a little handy one that I noticed. Can't live without my Google Calendar. (laughs) Well, another really fantastic and growing tool had a a release uh, that was announced on September 25th, and this is Jamboard. And so I see a growing number of educators talking and getting excited about Jamboard. And I think it's really opening up some doors for collaboration in new ways. And what's being released uh, is the ability to edit and create your jams in a web browser and you don't have to do it from a touch device. So that has been sort of the limitation. So while you've always been able to view a jam from any device, editing and collaborating has been limited to just those touch screen types of devices, and that's now shifting. So that's going to open this up to so many more users and Chromebook users, laptop users. Everyone will be able to create and edit um, their jams. And this is, of course, without having to buy the actual really expensive jam boards, although I think they're really cool, but using the Jamboard app in the in the web. So I think this is a great way to have students brainstorming um, in the in the little animation on the web post. They're showing us um, little sticky notes that you can add and move around. So it's like having a virtual bulletin board or sticky note board. And it really helps you go more paperless on on some collaborative activities that have previously been a little bit limiting and trying to trying to do it on the web. 
this is one of those things where I saw the the Jamboard come out and I saw some of the things you could do with it and thought, this is such a cool idea. But again, like you were saying, not everybody can access that Jamboard. So now that this is coming out, I'm really curious to see if people really pick up with this and run with it. So definitely a cool thing. And of course, you can get to the links to all of the things we're talking about in the news and updates, as well as everything else by going to googleteachertribe.com slash 60. Okay, y'all, we're going to jump into one of my favorite applications in G Suite. I think it's one of your favorite applications in G Suite. And what I refer to as the Swiss Army knife of G Suite, Google Slides. You know, I feel like, Matt, I have trouble making it through any kind of Google presentation these days without singing the praises of Google Slides. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. It's so versatile. There's there's so many different ways that you can use it. And I'm always seeing, uh, you know, different teachers coming up with different things that I had never done before. And I it always it always leaves me going, why in the world didn't I think of that? And it's yeah, there's just so many ways that it can go into class, I think. Yes, it's and it goes so far beyond what you think a presentation tool can and should be used for. You know, um, I do actually create some slide presentations inside Google Slides. <laughs> really? But, but, you know, I feel like once you learn a few features inside Slides, it really shifts your thinking on how you can use it. And, you know, I, I think for me, the, the shift that happened was when I learned how to change the size of the slides, you know, oh, just yeah. by going to file page setup. And if you choose custom, you can actually make your slides any size you want, um, which means you can make it eight and a half by 11 inches so that you can make it just like a piece of paper if you need to replicate paper or you want to print on paper. But that also means you could make you know, something the size of an Instagram post or um, create a header for Google Classroom or, or do all kinds of things. And so I think that was really a big shifting point for me and in, in how I started to use it. And I think the other key feature is making use of internal link, linking, being able to link from one slide to a ne the next without it having to go in the chronological order of slide one, two, three, four. And I think a lot of the things that we're going to share today will really help you see how those different kinds of features can be used. Yeah, definitely. You know, for me, the the big moment was when I found out about the the sharing features and how you could get different people into the same slides. And that was a game changer for me. So when you when you put some of these different features together and you start to kind of open your mind to the possibilities of what these slides can do. I mean, it's basically just like you've got a blank template that you can uh, have multiple copies of, kind of like multiple slides, and you can have multiple people in them at the same time and uh, the linking and all of that. When you start putting all that together, some really cool creative ideas can come out. So Casey and I want to share some of our favorite ones with you. Um, I wanted to start off by talking about a template that I created within Google Slides that replicates the idea of Instagram stories. I think I've mentioned this on the on the show a little bit in the past, but the the real reason I brought this up was because um, you know a lot of times students are excited about certain apps and sometimes certain social media um, that they may or may not be old enough to use, but still they're excited about it. And we can pull in that excitement and that enthusiasm, that engagement without even having to get the app. And so what I did with this was I used Google Slides 
to create a template that looks like Instagram stories. So if you use, in, if you even if you don't use Instagram stories are, it's kind of like this collection of little videos and images throughout your day. And a lot of times, the more that people use Instagram, um, they almost start to think in Instagram stories. Like they think about how can I tell the story of my day or the story of this event through Instagram stories. And so using this and the ability to capture images through the webcam and the ability to capture video through a uh, Chrome extension that I linked to in the instructions, students can really recreate that idea of Instagram stories and have them do it. So I always think of like, how could you show your understanding or what you remember about certain content by demonstrating trading in an Instagram story. So this is yet another one of those ways where you can use Google Slides to recreate a really cool experience without having to get the app. I love that. That's a fabulous idea. And there's so many probably other types of social media experiences too that mm -hmm. we can replicate in Slides and some other tools probably as well. Now, what I um, discovered is when you start having your entire class in a slide deck, one, it, it can be complete chaos, but two, it can be magical. It can be wonderful to do that. And, you know, we talk a lot about how similar slides and Google drawings are, except that with slides, it's like you can give every student in your class a canvas and it's all within one file. And with drawings, it's like one big canvas. So, um, you know, I, I tend to give the advantage to slides on a lot of different things, but no matter what it is that you're creating. So even if you're doing this Instagram story idea, um, and especially with the younger ones, I would say too, it's helpful to assign them to a slide. So they're not all deleting each other and clicking on each other, but you can also create an interactive table of contents. And so, you know, at the beginning slide, you can actually create a table, put the names of all your students, and then link those names to those individual slides. And if you've never done the internal linking thing that I've been talking about that, um, you can just use the keyboard shortcut control or command K. And instead of copying and pasting an external link, use the little drop down for slides in this presentation and go select the slide. And so this is just a really simple way to add some organization. And, you know, this is, of course, great for when these things are shared online. So if parents are viewing these and they want to go look at their own students' work, they can jump to those points. If you have a giant slide deck too, if you've been adding to one over and over again, it can be cumbersome. And as a teacher, it can be difficult to go in there and try to assess. So this can help you out as well. So, um, and you can take this idea and you could actually make this like the alphabet and you could have students creating um, a glossary or a dictionary inside slides and just, you know, make it completely interactive. And this this idea, too, is actually what translates into a blog post I mentioned a couple weeks ago. Um, I had a guest post on Shake Up Learning by Micah Shippey, and he did how to create your own apps with Google Slides and I put apps in quotation marks, but it's based on the same idea. So you're mimicking an app-like experience by, you know, using that internal link linking or external so that they can navigate like it's an app and go home or go to um, what's on the calendar or what's on, you know, on the lunch menu and things like that. So, um, but there's a lot of different things that, that you can do just 
just with these features. And of course, um, you know, Matt and I are going to share a ton of things in this episode, but you should see our show notes. They're insane. Oh, y'all. We probably should save some of this for another episode, but we're going to give it to you all in the show notes. So even if we don't talk about it, there's even more and another reason to go visit googleteachertribe.com slash 60 and see all of the resources that we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that interactive table of contents. Why did I never think of that? That's so brilliant. You don't have to worry about, because whenever I do that, it seems like I put all these slides up and somebody goes and tries to claim one and then someone else is like, so-and-so is writing on my slide. That was my slide. I'm like, really? Just make another one. (laughs) But this totally eliminates all of that, which I, I really like. Um, the next one I wanted to talk about was this thing that I just created uh, recently. It's yet another template that I made on Google Slides, um, again, that I mentioned in a, a recent episode. It's this thing that I called icon boards. And so I always think about how much fun it is to take information and stick it together with some icons and some little images and create what's almost like an infographic. Now, that just in and of itself is a pretty cool way to use slides or Google Drawings. What I've also found is whenever you have students uh, use a source of in, of images or icons, you know, one of my favorites is a place called The Noun Project. Uh, there's another one called Flat Icon, where you can pull in all these little icons in these pictures. Sometimes they get a little distracted and they start looking through for the perfect image. And here they are 10 minutes later and they're still looking for images, looking for images. And so um, to cut down on some of that time and use that time to help them get their ideas out and get to work. I created this thing called icon boards where it's just a simple slide in Google Slides, but all around the edge, all around the outside, because, you know, you've got your slide in Google Slides, but all of the space outside of it is kind of like your desktop. It's kind of like your workspace of the things that aren't on your slide. And so I just dropped a whole bunch of little icons and little like numbered boxes and arrows and text boxes and stuff out there. And I thought that can be your workspace for students to pull things in that they want to actually use on their slide. So if you use that, and swap out anything that you think that they would really like or really use. Um, Leave those in there, and then if students copy and paste them into the slide, then they're able to just pull things into place instead of having to start with a blank slide and start from scratch and (laughs) try to find that perfect icon or that perfect picture. And instead of searching for it for 10 minutes, maybe they can just pull something over and then get their ideas out quickly. So this is just a quick way to do some of that visual thinking uh, so that you can see what they understand. Love it. Yeah. The visual thinking thing is something that's a natural fit for, for using Google slides there, you know, with the, the add-ons and um, being able to, to pull in those different images and icons and annotating and and doing all those things. I think it's, it's a fantastic idea. If you haven't tried it, you definitely want to want to explore this. Um, The next thing that I want to talk about is um, something that's been really popular on my blog, really, since almost the very beginning, I created a template for, magnetic poetry and, you know, taking the idea of, you know, the little magnets on the fridge, you know, where you have to try to make sense of it and make it into something creative <laughs> and taking that was like, I looked at that. I was like, you know what? I was trying to learn more about Google drawings. And that's actually one of the things that sort of inspired me. It's like, you can completely create 
interactive learning with these tools. And so, you know, I did it. I created a little template. I made all the little words and and put those all together. But what that allowed me to see was the ability to make all kinds of things. I mean, of course, you can you can create something like magnetic poetry, but it's not limited to poetry or just a reading and writing class you can have virtual manipulatives in there as well. So I've seen this become very popular, especially with teaching math, you know, uh, even with say the little ones, I mean, it can be anything, but you know, you could take those old worksheet ideas or even the things that they may be doing. And of course there is still something very valuable with the tactile learning with the little ones. I know that, but you know, if they're counting apples on an apple tree, you can put in a graphic of an apple tree and you can put apples on it that they can remove and then add into a basket. You can have a uh, virtual measuring tools, right? You can have rulers, you can have um, protractors, you can have students creating angles and drawing different quadratics and, and doing all kinds of things. So, um, you know, I feel like it, it it's kind of limitless um, in terms of that. Now, you, there are some limita- limitations maybe in terms of the size of what you're doing. But, you know, I feel like there's there's so many things that we um, go stock up our classrooms with that we have, you know, little um, treats and things like that that are still great. But, you know, some of this can be in a digital form as well. And it's really easy just to insert those those images, you can even, you know, find the images that have transparent backgrounds or like in the case of magnetic poetry, I created most of those images myself. And um, you can do that in slides or drawings as well and, and download as so if you go to file download as after you create, say, an image of a word and um, download it as a PNG file and then re-upload it into your template, you've now got it locked down. Right. It's not just a text box that someone can edit. So um, I have a ton of resources on magnetic poetry, including uh, three free templates and how the Halloween one tends to be the the favorite. And so since that's mm. coming up, that one's that one's linked in the show notes. But I also have a free mini course on how to create those because I that was the big question. Like, you got to tell me how to do this. And so because teachers were creating them in other languages and doing all kinds of really cool things. Oh my goodness. That magnetic poetry has been the, there's been so much buzz around that. It's like every time you put that out, it seem, seems like I see it in my Twitter feed and people just, just are kind of like gobbling it up. And I also like the idea that there's a finite number of words on that page. It's that idea of like creativity loves constraints it's like you don't just give them all of the words. You give them certain words and say, hey, what cool thing can you do with within that? And so there's that that I love about it. But also you, you mentioned how you're able to create that background that kind of gets locked down, so to speak. And that's kind of at the heart of this one last thing that I wanted to share real quick. I, I put out something about creating what I called movable digital activities. And it's that same, same idea as the um, the magnetic poetry, only if you take it to you know, kind of like a different idea other than just magnetic poetry. If you have, um, you know, if you have kind of like a, an activity that you want, where you want students to move things around, let's say that there's the different parts of a story and um, they're able to move, you know, move them into different places or there's something that's supposed to happen sequentially and you want them to drag them into order. 
you know, being able to do exactly what you were saying with the magnetic poetry totally works. And then kind of like what you were saying, how you can create a background by, by creating a slide and then saving it as a, as an image, you stick that image in as the background of the slide. And then now students can't move it around. So, you know, it totally works with the magnetic poetry. And then there's also other directions that you can go with that too. And I've got a link in the, in the show notes to this create movable digital activities with Google slides that kind of talks about that too. Okay, Matt, we have been chatting for quite a while. You know what? Oh man, I have an idea. What's that? Mm, what do you think about making this a two-part episode? Ah, oh, I think that's brilliant. Of course, you, you know that we could go on and on about slides. So I think we just gave ourselves permission to go on and on about slides I, I just in a so. separate episode. Yeah. Uh, I think we could have a Google Teacher Tribe slides like separate podcast. In fact, <laughs> I think we have <laughs> so much information. Yeah. That's so true. So, uh, so for forgive us, we can't give you everything in one episode, but we are going to save some things for episode 61. So stay tuned for that. Um, I also wanted to mention, and this is perfect timing, but I have just released a new online course called the Google Slides Masterclass. And Speaking of all of the little things that we just talked about, if you want to learn how to do that hands-on, um, you know, with video tutorials and some suggestions on how you can try to use this in the class, you want to check this out. I have to tell you, this is the favorite, my favorite course ever uh, that I've, of all the ones that I've created, um, this was the most fun. And I feel like this is really going to shift the way teachers use Google Slides in their classrooms. So I've added a little screenshot of the entire class curriculum. So there are 10 lessons and I'm going to show you how to do templates, how to use master slides, how to create the interactive table of contents, the power of resizing and downloading, um, how to create images, how to edit, how to do things like comic strips and timelines and diagrams and all of the integrations and add-ons. And then there's three bonus lessons, the stop motion animation lesson, which we've mentioned that that feature so many times. It's not a feature. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, and then um, I'm also throwing in a, a mini course as a bonus, which is the how to create magnetic poetry. And then uh, bonus number three is 50 Google slides, lessons and project ideas. So if you want access to all 50 of those, you want to get in on this class. So you can get all of the details in our show notes, or you can go to shakeup.link slash GS master for all the details. There's a letter in your mailbox. Hey, you know what? This is all your mail. Hey, maybe I'll give you a call sometime. You've got mail. It is time to get out the Google Teacher Tribe mailbag. And we've got a couple of things to share with you real quick here as we wrap this episode up. Here is a question that we got from Mel in Wyoming. And Mel says, uh, I have a new position teaching gifted and talented math and reading to third and sixth grade, third through sixth grade students at five different schools. She's or Mel is utilizing. I'm not sure if this is a she or a he. My my wife is named Melanie, and I call her Mel all the time, so I always opt that way. But it's it, it doesn't say, so I'll just keep saying Mel. Uh, Mel will be utilizing Google Classroom and said with YouTube Live. Um, Mel's trying to do this with YouTube Live to conference call to connect several of my students across the district, and it says. I was hoping to use Screencastify for students to record their thinking surrounding the solution of math problems. This way, I might be able to start a conference call 
sharing an interesting solution via Screencastify. But the question is, is there a way to use Screencastify on the iPad? That's kind of like the, the essential part of Mel's question. So first of all, let's identify what Screencastify is. It is a Chrome extension that you use on the Google Chrome web browser to record what's on your screen, to record through your webcam, or a combination of both. And so, of course, this works really well if you have a Chromebook or a laptop, but if you're using an iPad, it doesn't work so well. So there are some alternatives that you can use that are similar to Screencastify. And we've got links to all of these in the show notes. But you've got, for instance, EduCreations, the EduCreations interactive whiteboard, um, as well as Explain Everything. Both of those are very similar uh, iPad apps where you've got kind of like a whiteboard. Um, you can put a, a special background on it if you want, and then you can talk and draw and flip through slides and everything. So that works. You've also got Show Me and Doceri. Uh, those are two apps that both do something similar. And then you've even got through the new iOS 11 or higher, well, iOS 11 or higher, has actually a screen recording built in. So we've got links to all of those. Uh, so hopefully this is useful to you, Mel, and anybody else that's thinking about doing that with iPads. I think that's a great question. You know, we still have a lot of users using iPads. And so they, they run into some different issues that we don't always address because so many are always talking about Chromebooks. And um, I think it's really important to, to remember I had to I had to sort of tap back into my old iPad skills. It's been a while since I've done that. Now, mm-hmm. um, I've got some shout outs. Yes, so, I love shout outs. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was looking at our reviews on iTunes, and thank you to all of you who have left a review. We now have um, 145 five star ratings, which I'm pretty proud of, but we had some really great reviews that were shared. So, I want to give out a, a shout out to Kiefer SJ, and he says, hands down, one of my top podcasts and is the one I always make time to listen to. Perfect amount of humor added in with the learning. So thank you so much for that. We were we were sort of wondering if it's really humor or just nerding <laughs> out. So, <laughs> I think it's nerding out, but sometimes people laugh at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. We're totally okay. We know you're laughing at us and not with us, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> and a shout out to Jay Bazzari. He says, each episode gets me thinking. The podcast is light and positive and silly and full of practical help. I appreciate their effort. Am inspired by the obvious love of teaching. And that's so true. We are uh, we are lovers of our craft. And then the last one is from Starblazer5000, whoever you are, super cool name. Absolutely love the podcast and look forward to trying out all the new tech and apps uh, features that you share. You have positively changed and improved my teaching. You rock. Thank you. You just made my day. So thank you all for doing that. And if you haven't left us a review, um, now is your chance. And and please let us know what you think of, of the Google Teacher Tribe. Okay, y'all, we are almost through with this episode, but Matt and I have just a couple of other things we want to share with you. So I have a blog post actually from earlier in September that I wanted to come back and revisit and share with you. It's called Seven Ways to Rethink Digital Assignments. And so uh, I created an infographic and 
outlined all seven of these ideas. They actually come from my book, but I, I really wanted to just pull these out because I feel like a lot of times when I'm working with teachers, especially the technophobic kind of teachers, that sometimes it just takes a little push in thinking um, about your assignments a little bit differently in order to kind of move away from just that substitution level. And so that's really what what this post is all about. But I outlined it and I also gave you tons of details and ideas on how you can um, use each of those seven to change the assignments and, and really kind of push traditional types of, of learning in your classroom. Yeah, I love that. I think that's, that's such a great post. Um, and really, I mean, something that we all need to be thinking about. Uh, I've got one that's related to Google Classroom. And so this is a guest post by Jacqueline Pora, who is a middle school Spanish teacher I got to meet up in Portage, Michigan. When I was doing a presentation up there and she was doing this great uh, little breakout session at their professional development day called How to Differentiate Like a Ninja with Google Classroom. And so she has just a handful of some really, really practical, really useful ways to not do that whole one size fits all learning, which I think even in the in the post she mentioned, sometimes it kind of feels more like one size fits none instead of one size fits all. And so she has some really, really practical ways that you can do more differentiated learning and, you know, kind of make those offerings to students that really are geared in towards them. So that that's one that you'll definitely want to check out. Uh, of course, we've got links to both of those on our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 60. So I have to ask, did you speak Spanish with her? You know, I think we may have had a couple of little, it's interesting because sometimes I go to presentations and people are like, the, the Spanish teachers come up and they'll like talk to me and like complete Spanish. I'm like, ooh, this is a challenge. I haven't <laughs> done this a whole lot recently. But uh, and they're kind of like, whoa, there's somebody else that speaks, that teaches Spanish that does this. And so we kind of geek out together. I kind of figured you did. So there you have it. We have all sorts of cool, innovative things for you to try out in your classroom using the Swiss Army knife of the Google Suite, the G Suite, Google Slides. So we're hoping that you're loving these ideas. We would love to see some tweets out on that GT Tribe hashtag, or you can always go to googleteachertribe.com slash feedback. Tell us what you're doing. Let us know. Do you love it? Do you not so love it? Uh, what's working for you, what's not. We love to hear from you and what you're doing in your classroom. Yes, please continue to share with us. As we mentioned, we are going to do a part two of this particular topic so that we can continue to share our love of the uh, Swiss Army knife of D Suite. We got to fit it in there one more time. Did we say super mm -hmm. excited yet? I'm super excited. So just in case. I'm you super excited too. Okay, y'all, um, that wraps up episode 60 of the Google Teacher Tribe. So we hope to see you in episode 61. Let's see you on that next episode. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power, and may the Googles be with you.
Hey Tribe, producer Chris here. Just wanted to share a little behind the scenes where earlier I had a conversation with Matt and Casey and I talked to them about how to use Chrome to access the internet. Here's how that conversation went. Yeah, that looks pretty cool. Especially if you can do that. I didn't realize that's what this was, is that you could do it with a browser. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, it's. I think it's. it might be a future episode. 